0: Super Bowl in the books, another NFL season over, and we don't have to stress about the Baltimore Ravens for another few months, this week on Pod Like a Raven. <laughs> Hi, I'm Antonio Montero, thanks for listening to us here as we finish out the NFL season a little bit of Raven news, a little bit of a uh, little bit of a Super Bowl to discuss, uh, in case you guys watched it on Sunday. I think there's some apathy uh, for this episode for the three of us discussing this game and and what it means for the future of the uh, NFL and maybe the AFC. But let me bring in my co-host before we dive in here, Tim Horsey. Tim, let's start uh, just a simple first question. What was your Super Bowl setup? What was the what was the watch party? Uh, how many how many pops did it take to get through? The trophy ceremony, uh, how how'd, how'd you do on Sunday?
1: The trophy ceremony, that's hilarious, uh, because as soon as the overtime touchdown was scored, I was already in bed, and I turned the TV off. McCall Hart, like, I didn't even see Patrick Mahomes run over to hug him. That was how quick I was on the trigger. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done with that. Um, my Super Bowl setup was was quaint, I guess. Uh, it, was just, it was just the lady and I. We ordered a bunch of Chinese food, and I decided... I th- all week I told myself, I'll watch it, I'll watch it, I'll watch it, and finally Sunday came around and I said, you know what, screw it. I put it on a secondary television with no sound, so I didn't have to hear the I don't know Jim's, and I watched Lord of the Rings Extended Editions. I got through like the first one completely, and then I got through some of the second one, uh, because this game was so incredibly long, um... And you know what? I obviously went back and watched everything, been reading stuff and what have you to to prep for this show because I am a true professional. Um, but during the actual, um, the actual game, I just couldn't. I couldn't stomach it. I, I first time ever, I couldn't stomach watching, listening, and really paying attention. So, yeah, I was in the minds of Moria, having a great time with the fellowship, and you know, meat was back on the menu, uh, specifically Kong Pao chicken. Uh, for me anyway. And yeah, I think this is what I'm going to do moving forward when it comes to this the games I really don't want to watch. I'm just this is why I have three televisions. I'm going to put it on the secondary thing so I can keep tabs on it and not let it ruin my night.
0: Fellowship of the Rings, first half of this football game. A Lot of similarities. Just some stretches there where not a lot's going on. Not a lot's happening. Uh Jace, how was your uh, how was your Sunday? What was your setup?
2: Um, well, I had to work for it, Antonio, so I was somewhat locked in, you know, as it is part of my job, um, which is kind of the way things shook out. I got to pay a little more closer attention to the second half of this game, um, which, as you guys just said, is good, because not really much of anything happened in the first half, uh, really the first three quarters of this game were pretty humdrum, I would say, um, but, uh, you know, it was fine. I, I I did. I think I might have hit the point, and we'll get more into this. I'm sure, but maybe that you guys hit sooner than me uh, of just despair that the Ravens weren't in this game, uh, especially as I watched just that atrocious first half. I, I think it set me down a spiral uh, a little bit, um, but. That was annoying, um, but yeah, just kind of was locked in here in the battle station uh, with the TV on. Um, I think Tim made the right call uh, with his setup because Romo was awful, um, you know, just, I, I you just you would just hear him say something and you're like, that just makes no sense, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, it was just an awful, awful from that sense, but luckily he's not on the game next year, so we at least have that to look forward to next Super Bowl, but yeah. I don't know. It was kind of a a boring Super Bowl that turned interesting, except I wasn't excited about any of it. So that kind of, you know, it was a weird confluence of emotions where like other people were excited and I was just like, I hate my life while watching the whole thing. So it was, yeah, mixed bag, I would say, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm I'm glad the NFL season is over. We're, we're flushing 2023 down the drain. It's on to 2024 uh, for our much worse Ravens team with lower expectations. That's where we thrive. It's going. It's all happening in 2024.
0: We will touch on the Super Bowl in just a minute, but we have a few uh, Ravens related notes to go over. Uh, one weird and one positive. I'll start with a positive one. Oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson won his second MVP uh, last week. But as of uh, recording the award ceremony on Friday night. It's, maybe it's just because I've been so unplugged because of how disappointing the Ravens season ended, how it ended. But it has seemed like there was phenomenally little buzz uh, around Baltimore and the Ravens for a player to be winning the MVP award. Um, and it's difficult. It is difficult in the moment to appreciate this. But I wanted to take some time on this episode to bring it up because it is an incredible accomplishment an incredible achievement for the person for the player but also just for the history of the baltimore ravens and the mediocrity on the offensive side of the ball at quarterback there's so many reasons to that it's important to take them take a breath take a moment step back looking bigger picture and appreciate that we have a 27 year old two-time nfl mvp at quarterback signed to a long-term contract things seem terrible they have seemed horrendous for the past <laughs> couple of weeks. It could be so much worse. We, we are very, very fortunate as Ravens fans to have this caliber of leader at the quarterback position, a two-time MVP in Baltimore. It, if you would have asked me as a middle school Ravens fan, as a high school Ravens fan, would they ever have a player get an, an offensive award of this caliber? I'd say no. And he's done it twice. And he's in the prime of his career. And he's got, you know, he, he could do it again next year. So... Um, just want to get, get your, your guys' thoughts on this historic achievement of, of this guy getting a second MVP, throws for 3,600 yards, rushes for another 800, uh, led the league in rushing yards per attempt, I didn't know that, uh, <laughs> has 24 passing touchdowns, 7 interceptions, a bunch of uh, other rushing stats as well, He uh, got to another level here, number one seed. Good things happened for this player this season, um, even though the, the end result was was terrible. But um, a phenomenal accomplishment for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple different things for us, and I want to start this off, and I'll probably end it by saying too, do not take this man for granted. Like as much as we, you know, criticize and rightly so sometimes, maybe sometimes we're overly critical, what have you. Uh, Antonio's right. For any of you that are might be relatively new Ravens fans, this this was never going to happen. Like we we were we were Kyle Bowler threw two touchdowns and one pick. We were happy uh, back in the day. You know, back back in my day, Joe Flacco even like God love smoking Joe Flacco. But a day where he didn't get uh, a blindside fumble uh, against him, I was pretty steamed up. And now we're talking about one of the most electric players. In the league, 27 years old, and the two-time MVP. Almost a two-time unanimous MVP, except for one a-hole who voted for Josh Allen. Um, I don't know who that was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you want to? I know who it is. I would love for you to tell me. <laughs> it was uh, Aaron Schatz, the football outsiders guy. <laughs> Great. <Okay. laughs> or creator of it. Yeah. I don't know if he's with them anymore. <laughs> Shout out Aaron Schatz. Appreciate that, buddy. Um, just dork. Uh, no, anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, I'm just kidding. Um, it's very cool. I think, from a local standpoint, the malaise over this is obvious. Couldn't have come at a worse time. At you know, two weeks ago, at this point, we're talking about this is finally their moment, and they're led by the MVP, and like this is going to happen. And then I'm not going to rehash all of that because I don't have enough vodka in the drink next to me. Um, and then it just you know obviously everything falls off a cliff, and it's like, well, we still got to give him this award. It's like, great, this is. Very awesome. Like, I had no intentions of watching any of this ceremony, like, at all. And I knew that Lamar Jackson was winning the the Most Valuable Player Award. And that doesn't speak to Lamar Jackson at all. It just speaks to kind of the mental state that Ravens fans are in still, I I would say, uh, at this point. And then from a national perspective, I think not only all that, and not only even the national media being like, oh, my God, the Ravens screwed this up, not just the Ravens fans being like, oh, my God, the Ravens screwed this up. It was also probably one of the weaker MVP classes. You know, there there was there was like legitimate cases for like Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy throughout the year. And, you know, n- not trying to poo-poo those guys. One of them was just in the Super Bowl and played pretty admirably. Um, if his coach wasn't such an idiot, maybe they would have won. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I, I just think it was also kind of a weird bad year for the MVP not to take away from anything Lamar Jackson did but Lamar Jackson wasn't really in the conversation for MVP like in a serious way until Christmas night when he absolutely demolished the Niners and then it was pretty much just his award at this point he went from like outside shot like outside outside shot to oh yeah he is going to win most valuable player and nobody can do anything to stop him so I don't know I think I think all those factors um Primarily for the Ravens fans, just the moment, the timing couldn't have been worse. But I think also it was kind of a weak year. But again, to, to, to emphasize this point, we all love the guy. I want him as my quarterback. He's the only player – like, I think there's only one quarterback in the world I would take over Lamar Jackson right now, and it's the man who's just won his third Super Bowl. Um, and – we don't take him for granted i think it's just he was a victim of terrible terrible timing for us to kind of feel like you know a bit of a malaise and a bit of an apathy towards it
2: yeah i, I agree with all that completely and the only thing i will say to him is i, I was kind of surprised it was nearly unanimous i you know just yeah, for what same. you said it was such a kind of such a weird mvp year the fact that he did end up with 49 first place votes like it was nearly he yeah he nearly went unanimous twice which had only i think that happened, like, one time prior to him, uh, a unanimous MVP. It's not that common, but, um, you know, it, it is weird because I, I think... I feel like kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth a little bit just because I think this was his best season ever uh, for sure. I And so I guess from that sense, you know, he had his best season. I thought he was in the most control. Obviously, his highest completion percentage, most yards, uh, when you guys said... Best record in the league, um, but it is funny what, to just compare this year, and I think this is just speaks to the MVP race in general. This year to his 2019 season, in which I think his case as MVP is so much more of a slam dunk in 2019, right? Like he led the league in touchdown passes and also rushed for a QB record 1,200 yards. Like it's just a season unlike any we've ever seen before, um, and so certainly his totals this season are not nearly as eye popping. And I think led me to believe it would be a lot closer MVP vote. But, you know, I thought he was awesome. And, you know, I didn't. Obviously, Mahomes is the Super Bowl champion today, but, you know, the whole season they spent not scoring 20 points, basically, for like three quarters of the year. And I don't think you could really make too much of an argument against anyone other than Lamar. I guess that's kind of how people just coalesced around him. So, yeah, I think that's if there's excitement for the Ravens. You know, we talked a lot last week. Um, about how this team's going to get worse uh just from all the all, all the the pieces they're losing their records or uh, their schedules incredibly hard. I was looking at that today. Um, it is not going to be easy. I think you could make a case every team in the AFC North is going to be better. So the Ravens aren't going to be worse. But it's encouraging that you have a quarterback Uh, who seems to be getting better after he won an MVP year two as a starter, as a 22-year-old. Now, you know, he's going to be entering. He just turned 27, right, in January. Like, he's in the prime of his career. uh, And, you know, as long as he's around (laughs) and healthy, this is going to be a team to reckon with. So that's exciting, too. Um, uh, Certainly. And and I think, too, he still has, like, that respect of his peers and stuff. Um, so I agree with you, Tim. It just the timing did stink. It was hard to get, I think, too excited about it, uh, just given that you know you score ten points at home in the AFC title game, and then you're like, here's the MVP award four days later or whatever, uh, or, or a week and a half later, I guess. But uh, that's frustrating. But yeah, on the whole, uh, two-time MVP at quarterback, who's 27 years old. That's that's what you want. And and like you said, I think there's yeah two maybe. Maybe the Bills are the only other team that wouldn't just straight-up swap Lamar for their quarterback, but it's very few teams. They have one of the certainly five best quarterbacks in the league. Um, and it just stinks we don't have the best one. And we play in an era where the best quarterback of the world, the best quarterback of this generation, plays in the AFC. Um, and you're going to have to go through him every year. So that stinks, and that's what I think this Super Bowl reinforced uh, – on the heels of Lamar winning MVP, it's just kind of a frustrating thing. But yeah, a lot of good to take away from it too.
0: I, of uh, the past few weeks, was slowly concocting this just electric spice, ten level spice take, that that I was saving for post Super Bowl. Had the Ravens won it, and it would have been like, we have a, a Hall of Famer at 27 years old, and Lamar Jackson, two time MVP. Super Bowl winner, probable Super Bowl MVP, but I didn't have to. I didn't have to put any finishing touches on that on that take because they, they didn't get to the Super Bowl anyway. But um, half the job's done, so the the, the rest the rest continues uh, in the next next few years. Um, and now the, the weird the weird bit of news that I wanted to touch on, because <laughs> I talked about it for way longer than now. I wish I had last week, and it was the news, and it wasn't official at the time um, of Jerry Rosberg coming back to the Ravens. <laughs> as a a game management consultant, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the next day after that news came out, it turned out, just kidding, uh, Jerry Rosberg is, in fact, not joining the Ravens. (laughs) Which makes sense, because I spent three minutes talking about how smart of a move I thought it was uh, along the margins of what this team does poorly and them trying to address it and and fix it for the following year. They don't need to fix it, uh, says them. So, uh, kind of a weird... Thing, that this news comes out strongly and then actually doesn't exist <laughs> at all, and uh, Harbaugh doesn't need help with any game management situations.
2: Well, so that's what's weird to me. It, it, and they said, I believe the reporting right was that it was over like his contract or whatever it would be. Um, but it is weird because it, it it it. I was trying to reckon like who leaked this, and my assumption is Rosberg. Uh, and we were texting about it a little bit. I think it was you, Antonio, mentioned maybe his agent like putting this out there to try to drum up interest from other teams that he's looking at opportunities like this. But it's still kind of hard to figure because it seems like that it was going to happen the way the reporting was, was talked about. So it seems like a thing the Ravens know they need, or John Harbaugh feels like he needs or wants. Uh, and then it just fell apart. So, so I don't know what to make of that. If they're still going to be looking at a similar position or if this was just a, they wanted to bring Rosberg back and, but they didn't want to pay him, I guess, for what they thought the role was. It's, it's all very odd. I don't totally know what to make of it. It's, it's a very, I feel like, you know, it feels like a very Ravens sort of Orioles, Baltimore sports, the general thing to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't know what the takeaway is. And I just assume that the, the report that it was happening must've come from Rosberg's side. Cause I don't know what the, the Ravens would get out of it, leaking that they're hiring this guy and then being like, oh no, we can't come to terms on a contract actually of this guy we want. It was all very bizarre. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a talking point. It was kind of funny, you know, all the people who were very mad at John Harbaugh on Twitter, um, asking what Harbaugh does now, like just immediately switching sides and being like the Ravens are a clown show, uh, after arguing that they shouldn't hire Rosberg in the first place. Um, that was fun, but yeah, on the whole, I don't really know what to make, make of it other than, uh, it was weird. And, um, yeah, I don't know if they hire someone to fill that same role going forward or, or what, it just kind of floats away. We all forget about it, but a strange little one week saga nonetheless.
1: Yeah, I have nothing to add on that at all. It's just weird, and like, it's one of those things we're not going to be thinking about in two months' time. Maybe even two weeks' time.
0: But Tim, will we be thinking about it in eight months' time when they make a terrible game management
1: decision with a minute and a half
0: left? Where's I Jerry? Be,
1: I won't be thinking about it until Jace brings it up in this podcast, and I'll be like, oh my god, you're right. You should have had Jerry the whole time. All right, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk Super Bowl now um
0: Chiefs 25 49ers 22 the game goes to overtime the game almost goes to double overtime but no uh ending with just a few seconds left in OT uh a couple of thoughts from me to start this one off they are who we thought they were uh the famous quote and they can be whatever you want the Super Bowl they can be the Chiefs they can be the 49ers they can be CBS They are who we thought they were. The game went exactly as I think all three of us pretty much said. uh, And actually, we're pretty tight with some of the predictions of how we thought this game was going to go. Some interesting stuff by the 49ers to start. And then the Chiefs will be the Chiefs. And they will end up inevitably winning a close game. And boy, did it play out like that. Um, On the whole, I think we can say that this was not the greatest game ever played. Not in the top 10, maybe 15, 20 uh, Super Bowls of all time it picked up late in terms of interest and intensity and actual points being scored but the first half was just a back and forth of punts a back and forth of mistakes the highlight of the game pretty much in the first half was kelsey yelling at and bumping into andy reed um <laughs> then the game it is saved a little bit as just you know as an event um, with the double pass that, that Purdy to Jennings to McCaffrey, and all of a sudden it's 10 nothing San Francisco, and there's finally a bit of noise. Um, but then the Chiefs finally get on the board. They kick a field goal uh, late in the first half, and then everybody knows they're getting the ball to start the second half. And I jump on the text thread, and I reach out to Tim about the first half, the 49ers' first half, Chiefs' money line bet, and how it's just... Couldn't, couldn't be better I couldn't feel any better uh, about how that bet is lining up um because it had just been setting up for the perfect typical 2023 2024 chiefs game they've been terrible it's been ugly they can't score they can't get big plays how were they only down seven getting the ball to start the second half uh curious as you know you guys thoughts on on that first half and, and how good
1: we were feeling about the uh that, that two have bet that we had I was feeling great until I realized FanDuel put end of regulation rather than end of game, but that's something that we can get to a little bit later. It's not okay, FanDuel. Not not okay. okay. (laughs) Not okay, because even you talk about some podcasts that are sponsored by FanDuel, and they're like, oh yeah, that definitely hit. And I'm looking at my measly account and saying, no it didn't, because I I was all over it. Um, I think the, the general consensus here for me is... One, again, in the moment, super glad I was watching Frodo and Friends and not this first half. And two, yeah, thank you. And two, th- this is just going to be the same thing. And th- this, this point will be reiter- reiterated over and over as we talk about this game, I think. But if you don't kill the Chiefs, just like if you never killed the Pats, just like when the Ravens never killed the Steelers... They will find a way to come back and make you pay for it. And that is exactly what happened in a first half that, yeah, not a ton going on, but you felt like the Niners had some more chances to, you know. It, it was just the classic case of, holy crap, look how bad the Chiefs look. Oh, it's only a seven-point game? Okay. Like, and, then, and then you just know where it's going from there. That That's exactly how I felt,
2: Tim. I, I think about two half moments in this entire game – where I felt like maybe the 49ers might win the Super Bowl. Very briefly, when they went up 10 Then I said, oh, maybe. Uh, I don't and then know. They I don't it.
1: know, Antonio.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, when they hit the double-digit deficit, I was like, that intrigued me a little bit. But like you guys said, the Chiefs get that immediate field goal, and then it's 10-3 and a half, and, and I just feel they're winning this game. And, and then I don't have the feeling, again, not to jump too far ahead, but I never felt like maybe the Niners – could win the Super Bowl until the Chiefs are literally, it's fourth and one uh, in overtime. The Chiefs are down three after the Niners score. And I say, Oh, well, if the Niners get the stop, they win the Super Bowl. That was like the first time that thought crossed my mind again. It just felt to me so inevitable the way the Niners were hanging around. They were doing very kyle shanahan things they said it couldn't be done but kyle shanahan uh now blower of three double digit leads in the super bowl it's only been done seven times ever and shanahan's responsible for three of them including obviously the 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 all-time great the 25 point collapse but uh the other blown leads in the super bowl are all uh biggest blown leads are all 10 points and kyle shanahan again responsible for three of them and that was in part the niners come out after halftime And, you know, I did think maybe very briefly when Mahomes threw that pick out of the half, I was like, well, maybe they just don't have it tonight. Because I thought for sure they were going to regroup, march right down the field, tie it up at 10, and then they'd be on their way. Um, But that pick was so – that was just an awful, (laughs) awful interception. But, of course, the Niners turned that into nothing. Three plays, negative one yard. And they go three straight three and outs, and they give McCaffrey a run once in that that sequence. And so they're just not able to to gain any separation. And the Chiefs didn't do much in that stretch. They only got a field goal to cut it to 10-6, but then... You know, they have like one busted play, basically kind of the muff, if you want to call it a muff, I guess, like the punt that just kind of deflects off a guy. And then at that point, I'm like, the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl because I was like, they've been awful this entire game. They get this break, go their way. They score a touchdown immediately. And then they're just up in this game where you thought, um, you know, that they they were going to lose or they were losing the entire time. And then suddenly they're up when they've looked like the inferior team. So, I, you know, I never really felt like the Chiefs weren't going to win. And I think, I think that was the combination of things that ate at me. It was, A, watching the first half and being like, both these teams stink. The Ravens would be up 14 on the Niners if they put that performance on the field. And just thinking that we should be playing in the Super Bowl. And the opportunity we let slip away. And seeing how bad the Chiefs were in the first half. It was like, oh my god, we lost to this team that can't move the ball at all with the best quarterback in the world. They can't, they can't gain yards. (laughs) They score. It's a scoreless first quarter and and, uh, they have three points and the, the chiefs do in the whole first half. So that, that ate at me. And then I think the thing that overwhelmed it was still just the inevitability of them winning, even with this, not really that good team. Uh, And it just put me in a very sour mood. Um, But yeah, I never really, I never really believed. I don't, I don't know if that's just Kyle Shanahan thing or Brock Purdy thing, but it never, to me, felt like the Chiefs were going to win this game, or uh, the Niners, excuse me, were going to really win this game um, for really large, pretty much after halftime, especially once the Chiefs took the lead. Even at the very end when I was like, "Like you're like, you know, the Niners kicked that field goal, and I was, the only thing I was surprised was the game went to overtime. I'm shocked the Chiefs didn't walk that off with, like, a l- touchdown with, like, two seconds to go. I was sure Kelsey was going to have, like, a touchdown. Uh, it was. Like right before time expired to win, that that was the only thing that surprised me. Otherwise, it all felt so predictable, and, and just like the march to get there was awful. And listening to Tony Romo, it just it spiraled and it put me in a very bad place <laughs>
0: uh, late Sunday night. Yeah, Jace Jace may have sent some texts uh, to the thread <laughs> that it got a little dark uh, post game about how it all slipped away from <laughs> from the Ravens in Baltimore. It is funny, Jace. You mentioned the fourth. That the 49ers had a fourth down opportunity in overtime. That didn't even, like, it didn't even register, it feels like, within the game, how big of an, that that was a moment. That that was an opportunity for the 49ers. I think they, like, Romo, like, rushed it in the call as as the ball was being snapped because nobody was really <laughs> processing. You know why nobody was processing? Because it doesn't happen. Because the Chiefs don't allow this <laughs> yeah. stuff to happen. And they get, they get, like, 20 yards on, like, the easiest yeah, that, little keep that was, that was Yeah,
2: that was the Mahomes keep play. And you're like, not only did he get the first down, he got it easily
0: and rushed for, yeah, like you said, it was like a 15-yard game. And these, <laughs> something. these are the type of moments that I was talking about last week in terms of making a pick. Like, which team do you think is going to be nervous in the big moments? And which team is just going to go... I this is what we have to do, reach into the playbook, pick the pick the one that wins every time that we haven't used yet, and, and we'll use it in the biggest moment. I only half thought that the Chiefs were possibly going to lose after the interception, as, as you touched on. And even that moment was gone so quickly mm-hmm. based on how the Chiefs' defense responded. And that is just what this team was, in my opinion. They weren't that good <laughs> on either side <laughs> of the ball. But whenever... You feel these kind of pressure, momentum, whatever you want to call it, moments, whether it be the offense or the defense, just says, no, we've done this too many times, we're too experienced, the coaches are too good and know exactly how to handle it, they have the right veterans at the right positions, and they just snuff out the moments, and you, you you ride through it, oh, and that challenge was dealt with, that challenge was dealt with, we move forward, we move forward. And that's what made it one of the easiest, uh, you know, United Front uh, gambling decisions maybe that we've ever had in terms of what should have been, uh, you know, a tough bet or a tough decision to make, especially with this team being an underdog, a two and a half point underdog in this game. Uh, Tim, anything on the first half before I kind of run through some of the second half stuff?
1: No, I mean, looking at the notes here, it looks like you really want to talk about Usher, so you might as well get to it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, um,
0: yeah, I put Usher uh, Usher Lovely. in here because, look, I am not uh, like a culture writer or editor. I don't work at, you know, Rolling Stone or anything like that, so I str- I'm not going to be an expert in terms of how good uh, a halftime musical performance was, but it was pretty good. Um, I get very frustrated when musicians who are multi talented are kind of forced, maybe the wrong word, but like you have to do the most complicated dance choreography we've ever seen. You have to sprint and run around and then also be a lead singer and like be able to breathe, <laughs> all to do all those things at once. Didn't love the beginning of it. Couldn't really understand. The singing is tough when you're doing all the acrobatics all over the place. But as a whole, I thought the performance was awesome. Um, I wonder how many hours of rollerblading practice he had to do just to <laughs> nail the like 45 second segment of that. So uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I was wondering on you guys, uh, your guys' thoughts on uh, on halftime. Tim, what know, part of Jim? Lord of the Rings were you at when it was happening? Yeah, done?
1: I was gonna say. I think uh, Gandalf was fighting the Balrog at this point. So that's even I'm better gonna... choreography then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did not let him pass. I will say that. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it. So, Jace, you can you can go ahead.
2: Well, <laughs> I don't have too much to add either. I was I was pretty busy with work stuff. I will say I heard Lil John show up. I was kind of I didn't watch much. So you, you're talking about rollerblading, against I'm like. Now I'm like I have to go back and watch there was
1: rollerblading. Oh, oh there was, <laughs> there was a lot of this segment. There was a It's why Drake Greenmore got hurt. They were rollerblading <laughs> all over the field and then he slipped on it. Well, I, there was tons
2: of texts from the group chat, the family group chat. My cousins had thoughts about Usher, uh, people I work with said it was one of the best they'd seen, but yeah, outside of Lil Jon showing up, which I did hear Lil Jon um, distinctly. Uh, yeah, I, I did it. Unfortunately, to so get to see yeah, too much of it, hopeless, yeah. hopeless. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say, Alicia I, Keys was
1: there too. I don't, know, I don't know if you guys even what? know that. I'll say this. I will say this. Usher got universally panned by the entire internet when it was announced, but like I think the NFL kind of knew what they were doing. We're gonna bring out a guy who has a bunch of features where he can bring out a bunch of celebrities, and he's an entertainer. So I, I guess good on them. I don't know. All right, that was. Um, that was five
0: minutes of culture on Pod Like a Raven, and now let's get back to, uh, back to showing where how uncultured <laughs> I was we are. say that's about as much as we have. Yeah,
1: it's about as much as we have.
0: Uh second half of this game, we've touched on it a little bit already, but it, it again starts like the first half did with just punt, punt, punt. Not a lot of points, and then we get to maybe two minutes left in the third quarter, and just like the firecracker is lit. And I think part, obviously, part of it starts with. Um, that muff punt or whatever you want to call it, you know off the foot foot punt, foot punt gate. Um, and then also with the defenses, I think just kind of running out of gas at that point. The game ends with seven, what is it seven straight scoring drives, including the end of regulation and overtime, not including the kneel down at the end of the first half. So it's just points by both sides back and forth back and forth. And when you're in that kind of game, it's just another version of who do I like in a big moment if it's Patrick Mahomes versus anybody going score for score. He's done it too many times. He's done it 10 times at this point in high high leverage moments. Um, but weirdly, maybe one of the biggest reasons he's, he's let off the hook is a blocked extra point. Um, the 49ers score a touchdown. They go up 16 to 13. They line up for the extra point. Would have made it a four-point lead. It gets blocked. It's one of those low-trajectory kicks that has no business being low because it's an extra point. Moody, who has a great game otherwise, he was seen as one of these potential <laughs> disastrous issues for the 49ers. He drills two 50-plus-yard field goals, and then he gets an extra point blocked, and all of a sudden the Chiefs don't need a touchdown to, to take the lead. And they can't, and they just get a field goal. And from, even from that, it's like these are the little mistakes you cannot make in a big moment, in a big game, and you cannot have them against Patrick Mahomes. And I just wonder. I wonder if that is a four-point lead, how the rest of this game has to play out with the Chiefs, who where they did struggle was in the red zone, being unable, unable to get touchdowns as opposed to field goals in the red zone. If they are forced into a fourth down, down four points... And how that ends up ends up playing out, so just a, t- a tough thing for Moody, based on how he played otherwise. But though that that's just the perfect example, a tiny little thing that you can't have happen if you expect to win win a big a big football game.
2: Well, it, it was huge, like you said, because the Chiefs' one touchdown in regulation is after that that punt. It's one play touchdown drive. After that, they don't get in the end zone otherwise. The entire sixty minutes, so. I mean, I think it changed the game for sure. Like, you, you know, it, it's it's this is a team we talked about all year that struggled to score and still largely struggled to score in the playoffs, right? They didn't have a single game uh, that they didn't hit 30 points in a playoff game. Um, and they still haven't, what, it's since November, right? Yeah, we talked about that, I think, last week. This team just can't put up that many points. And so, yeah, to, to, to go to a, a spot where you say a field goal ties the game And, you know, I think we, certainly me, I've been, I think, derisive of Butker because I I don't like the the Tucker comparisons. But I don't think it's a a secret, really, that Butker is one of the three best kickers in the league. Like, it's him and Tucker and maybe, like, Carlson for the Raiders. Um, But, you know, he's one of the best in the league. So, yeah, to get in a position where you just need a field goal, that's and you have the best quarterback in the league, <laughs> that's that's a huge game changer. So, yeah, that sunk them. And I'm with you because I, I – I mean, I had like, no faith and credit to him for going out there and hitting that 53-yard field goal with 153 to go. But, uh, you know, I mean, even the fact that that only puts them up three, you know, maybe they're up – pushes them up four if, you know, if they had not lost that extra point. It was just a, such a big moment in the game because – you know and not being able to extend that drive even farther you know, i believe that's the drive right uh, purdy had like a slant knockdown or something when they got blitzed um yeah it was like the, it was like their quarterback in purdy just isn't as good as mahomes and um they they yeah the the mistakes cost them ultimately like uh, it, it, it like the fact that they're not up four i think changes the complexion of the game so it allows the chiefs to get that field goal at the end and then sets up which, you know, that felt inevitable, as I said. The only thing that – and, of course, when I thought Kelsey was just going to take it all the way when he hit that slant and there was, like, no one in front of him. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to score with, like – somehow I guess it snuck up on me how little time was left when he caught that pass. Um, But, like, him catching that and getting out of bounds, and you're just like, all right, well, they either can't get the – they either win here or win it over time. And then that's what happened. So, I don't know. Yeah, it, it stunk. And it's weird. I know I gave some stick to Kyle Shanahan. I, I do think this game is generally the least his fault of some of their blown Super Bowls past. Certainly that Falcons game when he was their O.C. is the worst. But um, still, it, it just felt like the Niners yeah, like didn't do enough when they had the chance. They didn't put the game away. when I think, Tim, you might have said this. When they had a 10-point lead, they didn't put them away. Um, and they let the Chiefs hang around, and if you let the best quarterback in the league hang around, he's going to win when it's winning time, and that's kind of what happened. And
1: there was just too many with Kyle Shanahan, like, you know, look, the muffed punt, there's nothing you can do about that. How the hell do you get away with it hitting the foot of a different guy? I'm like, <laughs> Ray Ray McLeod should have fallen on it, sure. Like, you can argue that, but that's just a like a nothing play. Dre Greenlaw literally jogging out. And, and injuring himself jogging out because there was roller skates on the field. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know what the reason was. But, like, some of this stuff, you just look and you're like, God damn, like, that, I just can't believe that they're going to do this again. But I think there was enough that the n- Niners could control. Like, you know, I, I mentioned it kind of half-jokingly off-air to you guys, but I felt like there were enough drives where they were just so worried that McCaffrey wasn't getting his typical, like, eight yards a clip. That he was only getting like three. I think he finished with like 3.6 or something. I don't have it in front of me at the exact moment. Uh, Yeah, 3.6 yards per carry, which was his lowest total of the year. But like, you do that three times and it's a first down there, Kyle. Like, there was just some, there was just some times where I feel like they were just, they were very, very, you know, to bring it back to our beloved purple and black, very Ravens ish of like panicking when there was no need to panic. And shooting yourself in the foot outside of the mistakes that you can't control and, and and the issues that you can't control, almost trying to do too much. And now, look, yeah, and I know we're we're kind of getting towards the end of this, but to for for Kyle Shanahan, obviously, almost almost every team in the league would take him, right? The 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 Ravens, I think, wouldn't take him. I think the the, the Chiefs wouldn't take him. The Rams probably like McVeigh more. I don't know. Top ahead. I'm not doing anybody else. The, the over Falcons couch.
0: because they are interested in talented players or That's, experienced legendary coach. They don't want
1: anybody. They don't want no. Belichick. They don't want Mahomes. <laughs> nobody. Shout out Raheem Morris. I guess um, it, he's up there. Just, you know, I don't have the whole list in front of me. He's up there. But there's going to be a lot of questions now that he is going to have to answer, and this just kind of this dark future for Kyle Shanahan where it's like. What what do the Niners do now? What do they do now? Because I don't. You can run it back, sure, but I have no faith that this team gets into another Super Bowl and they have to play Patrick Mahomes. They have to play Lamar Jackson. They have to play Josh Allen. They have to play in a couple years if Jim Harbaugh figures it out. Justin Herbert, like this iteration of the Niners, just is is not going to get it done, and that Kyle Shanahan's part of that as well. I just I don't know. It's it's not a it's not a statistical breakdown. It's not like a, you know breaking down the cap, but obviously that's going to affect things going forward because they have a lot of good players and they're going to have to lose some of them. Oh, and by the way, we can't be doing the whole game check Brock Purdy thing forever. That guy's going to start asking for money because he's severely underpaid for what he's been doing. There's just something about the Kyle Shanahan-led Niners that we've been here too long with this guy. and We've been here too long with this team that was – should have won one by now, and now they haven't. And now I, I would be concerned if I was a Niners fan that this is kind of it. And you can't trust, and you just can't trust your head coach in these games now. You simply cannot, and that's the thing that, you know, I'm certain. I'm certainly not a fan of the Niners, but if I was, that would be something that concerned me.
0: Well, one thing to jump off of that. If- issues with the coach and lack of trust in the coach let's talk overtime uh there were new rules in the overtime this year did you know because apparently the 49ers didn't there have been some reports from the players that they did not fully understand the new rules that even if you score a touchdown on the first possession the other team will have a chance to possess the ball which would make you think that if you have the option, you want the ball second, you want to see what you need, you want to know what the other team has done with their first possession before you get yours, and yet the 49ers win the toss, take the ball, kick a field goal, and boy, was there ever a more obvious scenario of what the Chiefs were going to do with the ball after that. Um, That's bad. That's very, very bad. Jace, I know you have maybe a bit more more info on this, but... They need. It sounds like they need Jerry Rosberg in the building over there to, to get some more game management help. Well, so
2: that's what I thought was the, the worst look was the just the straight up the players not knowing. And it's in contrast to, I forget which Chiefs player said, but the Chiefs, one of the Chiefs players talked about them talking about this. They talked about the strategy of, you know, if we got... Uh, if we win the toss, we'll take the ball second because you know what you need. And they said if the Niners did score a touchdown and if the Chiefs got a touchdown, they were going to go for two. Like, the Chiefs and Andy Reid apparently had talked it all out. And the fact that it didn't come up for the Niners at all it is a bad look. Now, you know, you don't play in overtime that much. You don't play in overtime in the playoffs that much. But it should be at least, you know, it's a, a five-minute conversation, really. You just say, hey, w- if we win... Now, you know, personally, I don't I don't hate the idea of taking the ball as much. I understand, like, there probably are more advantages to taking it second, but, like, the Niners do score, and it's, like, at that... And, and even if you get a touchdown, like, you do put the pressure on the other team, and you know, like, they have to score a touchdown, and we win. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily hate taking the ball, but it, for me, the problem's more just... The fact that they just didn't know about it. I think that speaks poorly to, to Kyle Shanahan and his staff. And in contrast to the fact that the Chiefs come out and say, we talked about this. You're like, hmm, well, it looks like one team was prepared for all scenarios and this team maybe not so much. And I think, you know, when you get down to a game that's between teams as good as the Niners and Chiefs, you know, certainly uh, there's the two teams of the Super Bowl. The Niners had the second best record in the league this year. Um, and the Chiefs are the defending champs coming into this game. Um, you know, I, when you have g- games between teams this good, that's, I think, where the, the margins obviously narrow, and that's where the difference in coaching, I think, kind of comes through. So it's just, I think, that slight attention to detail that kind of speaks poorly maybe to Kyle Shanahan. It might be the difference of, like, why the Chiefs have won these games with an all-time legend like Andy Reid. Um you know, despite his flaws, Andy burned a timeout with like 11 minutes to go in the third quarter uh, in this game, I believe. So it's you know, all coaches aren't flawless, certainly. But uh, it just that that moment spoke to me that the Chiefs were more prepared uh, for all scenarios than the Niners, and it showed. It showed, and uh, that's you know, they, they get the ball second and they win the Super Bowl because of it. So, um, yeah, I think that's a bad look f- for Shanahan, even if, as I said, personally. I don't really know. I'm sure the math suggests taking it second, but I don't feel too strongly either way. It's just the unpreparedness I think is the bad sign.
0: Andy Reid, Jace, you mentioned, may also spent like the first what ten years of his career kind of being questioned for a lot of game <laughs> management decisions. So something to be said for experience, I guess, and like having gone through these events over and over and over again to be a little bit a little bit better with them. Or it's just having Patrick Mahomes. Uh, And that's really all that this entire sport comes down to, as we can continue to debate Belichick v. Brady uh, over the next 50 years. Um, I I just have the one final point for this game, and it is about Mahomes. And it's just a real bummer. um, Because we've just seamlessly transitioned from one player on one team running the league in a way that we had never seen before in the history of the NFL... To another player on another team, doing the exact same thing, and hes they both have been in the AFC, and they just not even a year of space between the two of them. Just the twilight of Brady's career dovetailing perfectly into the ascension of Patrick Mahomes. A couple of duels that they had as well, and now it's just Mahomes' league for the foreseeable future. And it's a bummer, and it's frustrating, and uh, you know it shouldn't have to be this hard, but but it's going to be year in, year out.
2: <laughs> Do you want to go, Tim? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm. I'm just. Too well, I think that's what put me in, in such a in such a funk. Antonio was just this, and we've talked about this on and off. But this idea that it's like it, it, is Patrick Mahomes. It's like he's got the Brady qualities, but might be more talented. <laughs> And I think that's what's frustrating. And I was I was thinking about it in comparison too to like so obviously now Mahomes three rings, uh, age twenty eight, he's fifteen and three in the playoffs uh, now. And, and I, you know I, I think the compare like it's just like I was thinking about early Brady, and I think that's what's even more scary is it's like I don't was Tom Brady as good as Patrick Mahomes is right now like by this age probably not you wouldn't say like I think Brady. Obviously, and this is what will separate Brady, maybe, maybe even from Mahomes, was just Brady's longevity is obviously something we've never seen before. A guy played until he was 45, uh, won a Super Bowl when he was 43. Uh, he, he just got better and better and better as he got older. But Mahomes, he's got a better arm. He's got the more athleticism that Brady's ever had. And he's got these three rings, and he just comes through in these big moments. I didn't even think he was, like, all that great in these playoffs on the whole. Like, I thought he was fine, but he just comes through... Time after time after time, and it, and it's hard to like see the path to beating him. I think I think that's that's part of it, and I think the other thing that hurts is you're like I mentioned that fifteen and three record in the postseason. Two of those losses are to Tom Brady, so it's like. The guy's got three postseason losses, and two are two. The guy, everyone agrees,
0: is the greatest player to ever play in the NFL.
2: <laughs> and the third and, one, if know. I
0: remember, the third one is a game they had no business losing. It was the no, they Bengals blew game. They were up like 20 points, right?
2: Yeah, they blew a huge lead. Um, he he was randomly all He threw like two picks, they, including a pick in overtime of that game. Um, and they blew it, <laughs> and so the, yeah, that was like a that was one you could say the Bengals didn't even beat them; they self destructed, um, and so yeah, it's just so hard to like find the path uh, to beating them, and I think that's what has me down. I, like I feel I texted you guys this, and I truly believe I feel worse. I felt worse last night, and I think still today than I have after any Patriots Super Bowl. Because it just feels like we're due for so much of this. And, and, you know, obviously the Pats dynasty went on and on and on, I think, much longer than people probably even anticipated in 2004. But, you know, there's three titles in five years. Andy Reid's 65, so maybe he leaves in a few years. But it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere in the immediate future. Kelsey says he's coming back, even if he's not at what he is. But Mahomes is the best player in the league, and he's at his prime, so... That's that's what hurts, and the the other thing that hurt me was seeing Chris Jones say this. I don't know if you all said saw this at oh, all, yeah. but uh, uh, Chris Jones had this to say after the game. He was asked uh, where their confidence like came from in in the playoffs and stuff like that, and he said, "I think we faced the best team in the league in Baltimore Ravens, hands down. The Chiefs defense, the star defensive tackle of the Chiefs, best player on their defense, um, probably." Uh, said that after his team won the Super Bowl, <laughs> that that didn't make me feel good <laughs> uh, hearing that out of his mouth. So that that also was just like the the blown opportunity the Ravens had, I think compounded on this. And uh, the good news is we might get this rubbed in our face because we play at Arrowhead next year at some point. So there's a very good chance we're the, the Thursday night opening game, I would think, uh, at least a non-zero chance. So. That's good. That's good if we'll be in that game watching that banner raising and then lose. So, uh, yeah, it sucks. I, I'm in a horrible place. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's. I don't want to say, I just, I can't accept that I'm watching Brady 2.0, but he's halfway there to the six he got with the Pats. And, obviously, the Pats had a 10-year gap between Super Bowl titles. But what's preventing the Chiefs from 3-peating next year? I don't really know. So... I don't know. He seems well on his way. He's certainly the best player in the league, best quarterback of his generation. And, yeah, the fact that, I think to what you said, Antonio, just going directly from Brady to Mahomes. Like, this is like, we, we've basically had this monolith in our conference since we were, in what, fourth grade? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're men in our 30s now this is crazy <laughs> how, how is this happening it just it's and I feel bad I'm sorry for rambling but I feel bad for complaining the Ravens do have it very good on the whole most teams would take two Super Bowl titles in a 20-year span but this is why we get to span. complain
1: though because we're the ones that constantly have to deal with it the Browns aren't dealing with this the, the freaking Jaguars aren't dealing with this. The Colts aren't dealing with this. We have to deal with this because we are good enough to have more than two effing Super Bowls at this time. And yet we're facing these titans of industry, of footballing industry, over and over and over again. Just stomping on the little man every single time. No, you're 100% right. That's like what it is. It's
2: like I I, I think of like what – like what you said like with the defenses the Ravens have had we talked about a two-time MVP quarterback at Lamar Jackson and certainly the Ravens got in their own way in 2019 but still it's just like we could be a team that has like four or five Super Bowls if these guys didn't exist uh, but they do uh, beating us in the regular season beating us in the playoffs it sucks and it's you're going to have to go through it. And they did in 2012. And that, it felt good. It felt good to beat Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. That felt great. But you're going to have to do that, basically, uh, to win the Super Bowl. And that's just a huge ask. And it's hard to beat that guy that good.
1: Yeah. I mean, y'all nailed it. Like, I'll just look at, if you look at the opponents, the home teams, I didn't even realize this till Jace brought it up. The home opponents for the Chiefs. So one of these will most likely have to be the, um, the first game on the thursday night or whatever unless you're the ravens and you have the orioles there um but you know the angeloses are gone forever and long may they just have miserable lives uh the chiefs will host the following home teams in 2024 the cincinnati Bengals, joe burrow return maybe denver broncos las vegas raiders and the chargers obviously the houston texans a cj stroud coming in maybe um, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, going to be neither of those two teams, and then the Baltimore Ravens. If I'm the, the big wigs at the NFL, I know which matchup it makes the most sense to me, and it's not the one that uh, Ravens fans want to hear. I'll just add one more thing on this game, uh, because I'm bringing, I'm bringing the culture back, guys. I'm bringing the culture back. <laughs> Do you know what the ick is? You know what the ick is? <laughs> I have several. So the, I'm familiar. <laughs> so for for those of you that are like me that – don't really know what the ick is. It's basically like things that men do that women find unattractive. It's kind of like it's an ick that we have, right? And this it's comes... only one
0: way, Tim? I thought, it was, I thought it could go both ways. It does sure. not? It can, no, we could go both I ways. I honestly don't know. It just. I feel like it's 2024. These things should be able to go
1: <laughs> both directions. I, th- I think they go full circle then. You know, but for this specific example, this is um, this comes from Carly who, who pointed this out to me. She goes, I have to, you have to say this on the podcast because I think everybody feels this way except the most popular woman on the planet, but, you know, that's a whole different conversation, <laughs> says, every woman everywhere has gotten the ick from Kelsey for screaming at Andy Reid like a baby. And I can't put the next word in there because it's a family show. But, uh, yeah, a little positivity. The girls, outside of Taylor Swift, don't like Travis Kelsey anymore. They don't like him because he's a whiner, and he's setting a bad example for the youth, screaming at his an old man who just, who just I think, had just, like, Elbow surgery, or that no, wasn't elbow. It was something else. Some other like procedure recently, where he was a, a frail old man and Andy Reid, and you're screaming at him like that. Yeah. Boo you, Travis Kelsey, for all that you do there. So He's apparently, a well, apparently a bad guy. Yeah. I-, I thought
2: you were gonna say the ick was from him singing "Viva Las Vegas" during the uh trophy ceremony, didn't, but you said make you turned that, that off. So. Didn't make it that far. <laughs> Again, the, the ball that was...
1: the ball touched the fingertips of McColl Hardman. Like, he had, didn't even have full possession yet, and I was already off with the switcher. Like McColl Hardman, who, by the way, uh, yep.
0: won two rings with the Chiefs, went to the Jets, somehow got out of that dumpster fire, got traded back to the Chiefs, and then has the game-winning touchdown and has another ring. So I want McColl Hardman's career to... Strategy. Was he
2: the guy with like the two fumbles
0: against the Bills? Yes, too? he was. Was that <laughs> a true a true rise and fall uh, and rise and fall oh. and rise again story for Michael Hardman?
2: Oh, good for him. Yeah, great
0: for great for him. Uh, all right, let's go over our uh, prop bets for the Super Bowl and then our long our our, our season bets as well. We're going to close that close that out. Um, I will take it. I will take how I how I did with the Super Bowl because I got Chiefs money line. Um, I got Mahomes MVP at plus 135. I got Kelsey at adjusted 8-plus catches. He ended up with 9. Did not look good in the first half. I think he had one catch in the first half and still ends up with 9 catches. Um, So I get the Kelsey 8-plus catches. Uh, I also get the Rasheed Rice under 67.5 receiving yards. Um, The one that I lost was the Kelsey anytime touchdown. And I, I guess I somehow lost the 49ers first half Chiefs money line. Doesn't make sense, uh, but I I guess I lost that one too. But uh, on the whole, one, two, three, four, and two um, with some plus odds money as well uh, for the Super Bowl. I'll
1: take it every day. I did uh, did not as well. I will just say <laughs> that um, I, I wrote I took all the stuff, and this is not like what I actually took in real life, but what I said on the show here. I uh, will just run through it. The Kelsey MVP case, which we made. Uh, that was a loss. I did take Chiefs plus two and a half, so that w- that was a winner there. Jake Moody to miss a field goal. That <laughs> guy just ended up having the game of his life. So plus two ten, but missed that. an extra point, which doesn't, which you don't get, <laughs> which which I don't get, which yeah, you know. Tim, Tim field got squeezed goal. this week. I got squeezed it, big time this week. Cause, is that because it's field goal and not just missed kick? Correct. It is missed field goal uh, rather than missed kick. So lost that one. Uh, we'll just get to it now. The the first half regulation time. I had it. I had Niners and then Chiefs to win. It was plus 800. It was 8-1. to um, And then it was overtime. And so that doesn't count, which I just think is BS. Um, I I wrote in our notes here, quote, I'm counting this. So I'm (laughs) counting it. Uh, A couple – Noah Gray, Anytime TD, lost that. That was a fun flyer one. And then the one I loved, and remember we talked about this on the show, should I do Brock Purdy over 3.5 attempts or Brock Purdy over 12.5 yards? It wouldn't have mattered either way because he had three carries for 12 yards. So it just, (laughs) of course, Vegas knows. I did take the attempts. Obviously, he finished with three when the three and a half uh, didn't work. And then the other ones that I kind of threw out for the listener, I was like, I don't know if I would put my backing behind this, uh, but, you know, maybe this would work. All three of them hit Patrick Mahomes to have more passing touchdowns than Brock Purdy at plus 145. Two to one. I said it was a sucker bet, and I'm not a sucker. I'm a total sucker. Uh, The under, which in real life I did take, but on the show I did, I I shied away from it. It was 47 and a half. The game finished at 47, (laughs) so that did hit. And then Juwan Jennings, over 25 plus yards receiving at plus 194, almost 2 to 1 for that. Didn't take it in real life, but uh, yeah, that that hit. Juwan Jennings, before Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things, was probably going to win the MVP of this football game. He finished uh, outside of the passing touchdown. He finished with around f- uh, forty-two yards receiving, so way over the twenty-five as well. So, you know, overall didn't do great. Although I was, I was just, I was right around the bullseye <laughs> constantly in this game. I just couldn't, couldn't nail it completely. I, I kind of had a,
2: a mixed bag too. I actually did place some IRL, very small IRL wagers for the first time since Thanksgiving, and I went two and one. I hit the Chiefs money line at Mahomes MVP, which we talked about on the show. Um... And, and I placed one of the dumb final score bets, which I'm just addic- uh, addicted to. And uh, I was really, it was really looking like a possibility for a hot minute there. When the 49ers score, it was going go, to go up on the Jake Moody blocked field uh, extra point. That would have put them up 17 to 13. That would have got me the 17 I needed. And then I just needed two touchdowns without a 49ers score from the Chiefs. And I was like, wow, I'm really in this into the fourth quarter. And then no nope, block extra point. And, the, and it was dead. Um, So that was a bummer, but it was very exciting for a few minutes uh, uh, because those payouts are crazy for very small bets. Um, So that was exciting. But uh, some other things I uh, had mentioned on the show uh, that didn't come through. I I did mention McCaffrey uh, MVP if you thought the Niners were going to win. But like Tim said, it would have been Jennings, I think, uh, for his two touchdowns. I also uh, had jumped with Tim uh, on the show on the under 47 and a half. That was exciting to get that half point uh, under. And then two, uh, a few I mentioned that just lost outright was the Mahomes Anytime TD. Uh, It turned out the Niners were the team that did the sort of razzle-dazzle play I thought the Chiefs might do, because the Chiefs didn't have that many (laughs) touchdowns. They had two touchdowns all game, Uh, including basically that last touchdown, which was the play they ran like eight times against the Eagles last year for Super Bowls. It was like looked exactly the same. Um, I didn't get a defensive score. No defensive scores in this one. Uh I thought we had a slight possibility on the Niners trick play. How long that ball from Jennings hung in the air but somehow no Chiefs got to it. So uh and then the other one I lost I had thrown out there was uh Isaiah Pacheco for most rushing yards. Uh McCaffrey as predicted, he led and then Mahomes actually led the Chiefs in rushing. He uh he was their leading rusher um on this day with a few scrambles he had. Uh, you know, especially a few big ones in overtime um, that basically set up their close to the game winner and then that fourth down conversion. So mixed bag, I'd say, but not not all too bad uh, on the whole. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, a, a fun, I would say, uh, with the, the very few IRL bets I had, it was still a good time. So uh, probably take that money back out because what am I going to bet basketball now? probably not
0: (laughs) uh looking at some of the the full season uh bets that we made uh final record for me on single game bets ends at 26 and 37 it's a career worst i'm gonna get into the lab uh i got several months we're gonna be better uh next year guaranteed uh and then two and one on the preseason over under so i had the ravens over for their win total i was confident on the patriots under for their win total that was a very fun one to root for all season and i somehow lost the jags over uh i needed them to win more than 10 games and they were 8 and 3 uh, and did not get there <laughs> didn't even push didn't even push the 10 the over 10 wins um so 2 and 1 on the on the over unders there
1: yeah did pretty good this year um f- faltered a little bit towards the end but constantly stayed kind of 2 and 1 it felt like was my was my money like predictions for games uh, as we came back here each week so finished 30 and 27 I mean over 500 I'll absolutely take that um, and then on the over unders as well uh, just what I went back into our old rundown here uh, for what we took I did win Ravens over 10 and a half I'm stunned that I took over <laughs> the optimism is crazy uh, I could have I would have bet Everything that I own, which isn't much that I would have taken the under early in the season because that's just who I am, but I took the over apparently. Uh the Bears under seven and a half and Packers over seven and a half was probably my favorite bet. I should have just parlayed them together too. They both hit. I can't believe though I still can't believe that was the, they were having the same uh the same win total at the start of the year. It's just ridiculous. And then you'll never guess. The Steelers went over eight and a half wins. Uh, they had another winning year, so I took that as well. I lost Saints over nine and a half. And I can't believe I trusted Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. I just looked at the schedule and said they're playing the worst quarterbacks in the world. They still finish uh, nine and eight, so I missed that one by a half. And then I took a flyer on the Seahawks to win the division uh, with a, maybe a little bit of a Niners kind of um, you know downgrade. And obviously that didn't happen because they were in the Super Bowl. Uh, so I lost that one. But you know four and two on the over unders slash division winners. I'm, I'm going to take that. I took. Um...
2: Just a billion over-unders, apparently. And uh, uh, apologies uh, to the listeners. I'll I'll do better next year. I didn't keep good track of what my actual week-to-week betting record was. Well, we'll we'll do that next season. But uh, for the over-unders, and I will say this will sound really good, but I did not do this good in real life. So that's... That's on me. I don't know what I was doing, but I won a lot. I got, I took Ravens over ten and a half. I'm with Tim. I don't know why I was so optimistic, but I, I took that over ten and a half. I think believing they'd win 11 games. Um, I had the Steelers over eight and a half. I had the Seahawks over eight and a half, and that one was skin of the teeth. As was Bills over ten and a half. Both of those going over with wins on the last day of the regular season. Um, Falcons under eight and a half. Another one that was under skin of, uh, skin of the teeth was bears under seven and a half and Packers over seven and a half. I was uh, with Tim on that as well. Um, but then similar uh, to Tim, I was, I was low on the Niners. Uh, I had Niners under ten and a half. That did not happen. As Tim mentioned, they, uh, played in the Super Bowl one to 12 games, uh, and then I, I I thought the Colts and the Raiders would both be bad, so I took under their six and a halves, and they both uh, sailed to basically 500 records. I believe the Raiders were eight and nine, and the Colts were nine and eight. So missed the mark there. I, I think I guess just teams I thought would would stink or wouldn't. St- like I don't think I thought the Patriots would be as bad as they ended up being. That kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I did not do this good in real life on the over/unders, but pretty good, <laughs> pretty good results uh, in ter- in terms of, of the the over/unders. And like I said, though, a lot of those very narrow uh, last day of the season deciders. But uh, still, a pretty good record overall. I was kind of kind of impressed with myself uh, on that.
0: All right, so a little look ahead uh, on the calendar for the NFL. The scouting combine is February 27th, or it starts the 27th. Um, the deadline to place a franchise tag is March 5th, and then the league year officially begins March 13th, um, with uh, free agency. The free agency signing period starting then as well. Um, so there is some some small stuff coming around the corner, but we will we will be taking a break for uh, at least a couple of weeks here, probably several. Um, I think Jace is going to, like, a, a quote-unquote spa in Arizona. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be going to a facility in Florida. Tim, something in, in Canada. I think he's doing something in Toronto. We just need a break, uh, a breath from the uh, the rigors of the NFL calendar, but mostly the stress of being a fan <laughs> and analyst of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so we'll be back probably in a month, maybe three weeks. Uh, we'll see what we, what we decide, what we feel. Um, and, um, you know how the medication is taking as, as, as we <laughs> attend these various places. Um, I, I'm just going to say really quickly here, this is the end of season five for us on Pod Like a Raven. Um, it has been a wild ride. We have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it tremendously. Um, the growth from what started as three of us just kind of rambling on and on to three of us rambling on and on, but with more... <laughs> uh, gusto uh, a little bit more information hopefully a, a bit more polish bringing you uh a fun and informative product uh if you if you love the baltimore ravens as we do so just wanted to thank tim and jace for uh getting through another another fun but difficult season um and looking forward looking forward to next year as well
2: yeah man Thank you. It's, uh, it's always fun sitting down with you guys and. Uh... Yeah, uh, one of the more eventful years, I would say, certainly. Uh, I thought I thought they were going to do it this year, but uh, the way they were playing. But alas, but, you know, still their most successful season since we've been uh, doing the podcast. And it, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of good points. We didn't have to talk about Lamar's contract uh, for two straight years and just him being on the field. That was all very nice. Uh, The ending stunk, but yeah, for the most part, obviously I think this was, and sort of moving out of COVID too, because we had that before the Lamar injuries and just contract drama. So it's been a long time since I think the Ravens have been this fun. And and yeah, it's been a joy kind of chatting with you all and I hope the listeners like it and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's always fun every week sitting down, uh, even on days like today where I feel like... uh, um, we're kind of ready to move on from the twenty twenty three season after watching the Chiefs win the win the Super Bowl. Uh
1: unlike most of the points I make on this podcast, I'm not just gonna rehash what Antonio and Jace said in a different form. But um yeah, I mean it, I I work in this medium in a different way, so this is always kinda one of those things where this sometimes it could feel like extra work for me, but it just doesn't because my whole the whole thought behind this thing when we first started it was having an excuse to get together and talk Ravens once a week and the fact that we have people that actually listen and you know enjoy what we do is really really cool um you know from from meeting at Antonio's old place of work and like getting together around one little recorder to working with Sided now which is great um it's been it's been a a fun ride and yeah uh, it this moment sucks because it, it we should be here celebrating and you know possibly still hungover from from the, the late evening celebrations of a Super Bowl victory but hey we'll be back here same time same place uh throughout the off season we'll be your your source for not only Ravens news and analysis but commiseration and celebration as well um uh, so you know I I love doing this with you guys, and, and I love that the listeners enjoy it, and hopefully we can just continue to bring you a better product. But like Antonio said, we need some freaking time off because I don't want to talk about the scouting combine and how they're going to replace Justin Matabique quite yet. Not quite yet. Give me like a month, and then, I'll, and then I'm back, and, and good for that. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbara. Thank you, as always, for listening to us
0: here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you when we see you.